This is your call. I'm Rose Aguilar. Now we are going to talk about California's Proposition 1, which would authorize $6.4 billion in bonds to build mental health treatment facilities for those with mental health and substance abuse challenges and provide housing for homeless people. The measure allocates more than $1 billion in grants and loans for veteran housing. Prop 1 would also change how counties can use funding from the Mental Health Services Act. As the AP reports, in 2004, California voters approved legislation that imposed a tax on millionaires to finance mental health services, generating 2 to $3 billion in revenue every year that has mostly gone to counties to fund mental health programs as they see fit under broad guidelines. Proposition 1 is backed by California Governor Gavin Newsom. Today's guest, Cal Matters reporter Kristen Huang, writes that if it passes, it would mark the first major overhaul of the state's community mental health system in 20 years. She reports that Governor Newsom has amassed more than $14 million for Prop 1. He's drawing from longtime allies in healthcare, unions, and Native American tribes to fund the campaign. He also has support from Uber, NAMI California, the largest mental health advocacy organization in the state, and State Senator Shannon Grove, a Republican from Bakersfield, who, according to the L.A. Times, is an outspoken Donald Trump supporter who co-chaired the committee that led to the failed 2021 recall effort against Governor Newsom. The Californians against Prop 1 campaign have raised a mere $1,000. Opponents are mostly small mental health providers and current users of the mental health system. They fear losing resources if voters pass Prop 1. Mental Health America of California, Cal Voices, Disability Rights California, and the League of Women Voters of California oppose Prop 1. They say it'll result in service cuts. Kristen Huang covers health care and policy for Cal Matters, a nonpartisan and nonprofit news organization covering the country's largest state. They always put out a fantastic voter guide, which you can find at calmatters.org. Hi, Kristen. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. That was well, such an excellent summary. You don't oh, need well, me. Oh, thank you. It, it's such an important proposition. And as you report, it changes how counties will use funds from the Mental Health Services Act. So, so tell us more about how this currently works and then how things would change with Prop 1. Yeah, so Proposition 1 is, it is confusing. I think everybody's probably noticed in their voter guide that how many pages it is. Um, it's a two-part proposition. The half that you're talking about that changes how counties would spend their money for the Mental Health Services Act um, specifically would require counties to take, to set aside 30% of their money for to build um, housing support. So that's anything from like, housing navigation services to paying for rent, um, rent subsidies, things like that. And um, 30% is a big chunk of money. So right now, counties, the Mental Health Services Act money that counties get every year has really been designed, you know, it was passed, as you said, 20 years ago, and it was really designed to give counties more flexibility to kind of meet the needs on the preventative side of the spectrum and on the intense services side of the spectrum that Medi-Cal does not pay for. So it really was so that counties could kind of individualize their mental health services for their local population. Um, and this would be, uh, you know, 
more of like a statewide mandate, a little bit more of a one size fits all sort of um, proposal and specifically asking counties to target housing for this population. So as you report, Governor Newsom and supporters say that this is desperately needed because of the mental health and homeless crisis in the state of California. But then you've got somewhat small mental health providers and current users of the system that say they fear they're going to lose very important resources if the measure passes. Mm -hmm. So first off, what are you hearing from the groups on the ground that would be most affected by this? You know, I hear a range of of thoughts about this proposition. Um, I think on the one hand, most groups that I've talked to agree that there should be some sort of tweaking done to the Mental Health Services Act, that it has been 20 years. And in 20 years, the state's population needs and um, services and the everything has changed so much. How could it not in two decades? And so it's worth looking at the act to see, are we spending the money correctly? And could we be doing something more effective with it? On the other hand, these smaller groups um, that tend to provide, you know, they tend to be contracted with by county behavioral health agencies. Um, they tend to provide those services, as I mentioned, on the more like preventative side. And they also are many times run by people who are clients themselves of the county mental health services. And so they see sort of in a in a real firsthand way how important these preventive services are and how in a lot of ways Medi-Cal dollars, which are pretty restrictive in what they can pay for, don't necessarily always meet the needs of somebody who's going through some sort of mental or behavioral health crisis. Um, and so they, they are afraid of losing losing that money, that they may not be able to carry out their programs as they have in the future. And this also includes groups that have targeted really, um, you know, hard to reach populations like LGBTQ groups, African-American groups. These are communities that tend to have rightfully so a lot of suspicion of the government systems. And so it really does take these sort of small community organizations of people who look like them to get them hooked into the services. Well, if you have any questions about Proposition 1, we'd love to hear from you. 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at KALW.org. And if you work in the mental health or homeless space, we'd love to hear from you about how you think Prop 1 will affect the important work that you do. Sticking with this question about how this will really play out on the ground, the Associated Press had an interesting piece called Some Worry California Proposition to Tackle Homelessness Would Worsen the Problem. And they looked at Butte County, which is a rural county. They've got a homeless population of fewer than 1,300 people. They would be required to divert the same percentage of funds to housing as urban counties such as San Francisco, which has a homeless population that's six times bigger. And according to this report, the funding from the millionaire tax in Butte County has mostly gone to prevention services to combat high suicide and childhood trauma rates. Officials there say that they would have to divert about 28% of that funding toward housing. And they say the change could cause cultural centers, peer support programs, 
to lose their funding. In fact, uh, Tiffany McCarter, who works with the African American Family and Cultural Center, burst into tears when she talked about how it might have to close its doors because of this. So I think it's 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 such a important discussion, Kristen, because with these groups that are working with so little money to begin with, I mean, a 28% cut makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really tough because I think everyone in California is unhappy with how the homelessness crisis has unfolded and continues to, you know, just really balloon on the streets. Um, And so sort of from a statewide perspective, you know, people are really looking at that bond measure half to try and address some of those issues. But one of the sort of challenges or concerns that counties raised from the very beginning when this was going through the legislature last year did come from these smaller counties that have, as you mentioned, very different populations and very different needs from the sort of, you know, large urban city centers that tend to make the most headlines across the state. And there was some flexibility. There was a deal worked out. There is some flexibility for these counties to move money around. I can't remember the exact percentage off the top of my head, but they would be able to kind of delay the house the 30% housing investment and move it into other buckets, but it would still be, you know, with these smaller budgets, a pretty big chunk of change that gets um, placed into services that they maybe don't think that their local populations need. According to the Yes on Prop 1 campaign, the bond would build 4,350 housing units with roughly half set aside for veterans, as well as 6,800 mental health and addiction disorder treatment slots. Are there any independent studies out there that have looked at those numbers to say, yes, this is what we can expect? Um, that's a great question. I have not seen any independent studies to that effect, um, which, you know, as as you raise that, um, I had also done some reporting with colleagues on a similar bond measure that Californians passed in 2018 called No Place Like Home, which also diverted some Mental Health Services Act money to build supportive housing. And the language that was before voters at that time was that 20,000 units would be built. And um, to date, only, let me make sure that I get this number right. To date, only 1,700 units have been built. Mm. And the state now estimates that the total that will be funded by this $2 billion bond that passed in 2018 is around 7,700. So in my mind, the math kind of lines up. It seems like the Prop 1 math this year is potentially a little bit more realistic than what was put before voters in 2018. Um, but when you consider the size of, of the crisis on the street, like I said, I think everybody agrees we need to do something. Right. But it is not a huge amount of units relative to the number of people that need assistance in the state. We have a question from Anita. Can you describe how this bill would address the mental health issue? I live in San Francisco and it's really bad here. Would people be taken off the streets and put in some kind of facility if needed? What is the plan for that? And and you report that the money 
would go toward reducing California's adult psychiatric bed shortage, building supportive housing, permanent supportive housing. The measure previously faced little opposition, but you reported on a last-minute change to the bond measure that could open the door to the involuntary institutionalization of people with mental health illnesses. Can you talk about that change? Sure. So that, that, as you mentioned, it was a last minute change. It happened, you know, a mere hours before final language deadline in the legislature. So there really wasn't, there was no opportunity for discussion um, amongst legislators and various stakeholders legislators just had to vote whether or not this would go on the ballot. And um, those 6,800 beds that you had mentioned, that is the portion that would go specifically on the bond measure half towards increasing the state's mental health treatment capacity. And so that last minute change, it it opened the door for um, there to be involuntary treatment facilities built using this money. It's not a guarantee that that will happen. Um, The way that the measure is kind of is written, it would be up to the state that, you know, they distribute the money through grants to various counties depending on their needs. So it would be up to the state to decide down the line sort of what the lay of the land, whether it's acute beds that we need, subacute or more um, like residential but unlocked treatment in communities. Um, But I will say that when I've questioned the Yes on One campaign about that number, they told me that the intent is to build 6,800 inpatient beds. Well, today we are talking about Proposition 1, and we're getting a lot of questions about just why this prop is so there's so much text in the voter guide. Uh, Rashid writes, Prop 1 is supported by all sorts of Democratic and liberal politicians and organizations, some of whom I actually trust. However, in the official voter information guide, Prop 1 takes up 69 pages of small print legalese. It's like having to vote on the Microsoft user agreement. I can only imagine (laughs) that each sentence is is prop one is there because some committee worried that without it, the measure would be judged unconstitutional. There are just so many sentences and it's making me feel uncomfortable. Uh, This is an interesting point. I I think a lot of people are confused about prop one, Kristen, and you all at Cal Matters. I mean, you've got your piece, but you also have more information about proposition one because who's going to read 69 pages of small print mm-hmm. it, it is so confusing and i think the voter guide there was an estimate i think it's something like it cost the state two million dollars just to print all of the voter guides because it's so long um part of the reason why it's so long is because it is also amending an existing law the mental health services act which voters also passed in 2004 um because that was a tax and it was a ballot measure any changes have to go back before voters. And so that is part of the complication that all of these adjustments, these line item edits, they all essentially the entire chunk of text from that law back in 2004 is what's printed in the voter guide in addition to the bond measure. And and it is, I mean, it just, it makes your, makes your mind do backflips just trying to get through all of it. Kristen Huang covers healthcare and policy for Cal Matters, and they put out a great voter guide every year. You can find it at calmatters.org. Kristen, it was interesting to learn that NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness in California, supports Prop 1. 
Executive Director Jessica Cruz said, let's make sure that families are just as part of that voice and ensuring that the systems that are changing are being family driven and consumer driven. And that is why NAMI across the state supports Prop 1. And then if you look at, for example, uh, the Mental Health Association of San Francisco, which serves more than 15,000 people monthly, Mark Salazar, the ED there, uh, told the AP, from a humanitarian and civil rights perspective, we vehemently oppose Prop 1. There are studies that show over and over that coercing treatment just doesn't end well for the individual. So, I mean, NAMI is a powerhouse. They do amazing work. So they're supporting it. But then you've got like Mental Health Association of San Francisco, Mental Health uh, America of California, Disability Rights California, they oppose it. Yeah, it's a really tough, I think, sort of, you know, ethical and moral question almost that, um, like you said, NAMI's a a powerhouse um, and they do wonderful work with families and people who need services and support groups across the state. They are also both, uh, you know, a family support organization and a peer support organization. Um, and I think what it comes down to when it comes to positionality on this bill is sort of who is the makeup of their membership and sort of, it's almost like if you haven't dealt with this in your personal life, it's hard to to imagine being in somebody else's shoes. But, you know, with the size of the state's homelessness population um, or people who are, you know, having a mental health crisis and kind of on the brink of homelessness, there has long been a lot of frustration from, from family members who are just trying to get their loved one help, but the loved one, you know, refuses or you know, they don't think that they can take care of themselves or make decisions for themselves. And it really is. And so, you know, that's where these other sort of advocacy groups come in because they tend to represent people who have been forcibly put into treatment in the past. Um, And it's really tough because I think when you talk to clinicians, they say like, you know, we do need that acute locked facility care and that's kind of the top of the pyramid, but that's always like, a measure of last resort and the rest of the continuum of care should be much more collaborative and you hope to move people down to those down the steps mm-hmm. um, as quick as possible. Um, but one of the problems in California is that we have a shortage at sort of every level of the continuum of care. We have a shortage of acute beds. We certainly have a shortage of residential treatment and um, sort of supportive housing, which is just independent living that also has on-site support services. Um, so it's it's sort of, I think the positionality really comes from like the personal experience of these members, whether um, they've had a family member that they just, with good intentions, feel like they haven't been able to help or not. I, I also just want to say that Cal Matters, your colleague, uh, I'm sorry, her name escapes me, but you all did an amazing job of looking at how we got to this place. I mean, you went back to the 1950s, looking at what has changed in California when it comes to mental health and the homeless crisis. And I really want to do a series of shows about all of that, because we need to really also look at how we got here. 
Um, we don't have time for more calls. I'm sorry, Catherine in Menlo Park, uh, but she's concerned about Prop 1 taking money away from local resources and putting it into the state. And we've been talking a bit about this, Catherine, a number of small mental health organizations, homeless advocates. I mean, people doing really important work, like the people in Butte County who are reaching out to the black community there on suicide prevention. They're concerned that they won't be able to do that work because of this. We should say that those opposed have only raised $1,000. Those who support Prop 1, Governor, Governor Gavin Newsom, You've got uh, major hospitals like Sutter Health, Kaiser donating a million, the Federated Indians of Great and Rancheria contributing the largest donation, 1.5 million. They're huge supporters of Gavin Newsom. Um, they've raised $14 million. So it's 14 million versus a thousand. Um, I, I, any other final thoughts about what you, uh, what people should know about Prop 1, Kristen, given that there's a lot of confusion out there? Sure. Well, since you brought it up, I will definitely plug um, Jocelyn Wiener, my colleague, Thank had you. put together this, this amazing timeline that goes from the 1950s until present day of sort of how mental health in California got to where we are now. Um, and I think, you know, just as as a final thought, I think that it is important for people to recognize that you know, there's there have been recent studies sort of for the first time ever on the homelessness population in California. And, you know, we know that the driver of homelessness is income loss. That's the number one driver. And it's really a problem of poverty and lack of affordable housing in the state. Um, but at the same time, we do have, you know, this acute humanitarian crisis happening on the streets right now. And so I think that's, you know, some of the argument that I've heard supporters of Proposition 1 make is that nobody wants to take dollars away ever from smaller organizations and nobody ever wants to take dollars away from preventative services, but there's limited money. And so voters are kind of going to have to choose here between how quickly can we deal with the acute crisis that's happening now um, versus sort of sticking, you know, with the status quo and um, hoping that other state investments and programs will will pick up the slack. Well, we will definitely continue focusing on these important issues. And Kristen, we'd also love to have you on the show because I was reading another piece you wrote last month with your colleague, Miguel Duara. As California closes prisons, the cost of locking someone up hits a new record at almost $133,000 a year. Yes, yes. That is amazing. Wow. We, it well, is. We, yeah, we would so love much. to have you back to talk about that, Kristen. That's just a record-breaking $133,000 to lock someone up in the state of California. Yeah, and, yeah. and prisons and jails are the largest mental health institutions in the country. Uh, it's, it's all connected. Thank you so much for your reporting, Kristen. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Kristen Huang covers health care and policy for Cal Matters. Please be sure to tell everyone you know to vote on March 5th because we're reading some articles about expected low voter turnout. There are gr There's a great guide out there from calmatters.org. Share the shows that we're doing about the Senate candidates and Prop 1 with colleagues, friends, and family. Um, we're hoping that by doing these shows, we can raise more awareness to ensure that people, people vote. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Savannah Harriman-Pote for producing today's show. Thanks to Kevin Vance for engineering our show.
I'm Rose Aguilar. It's your call.